You're listening to MLB.com Extras, brought to you by MLB.tv. It's baseball everywhere. This week we are getting to know the Mets players a little bit, but before we do that, we want to talk about a little breaking news that has come out of Mets camp lately. Um, I'm Allison Twitter, and I'm here with Anthony DiComo. Uh, Anthony, talk to us about Brandon Nimmo, a, very, uh, a guy that's very high on the Mets radar who had a little bit of a, a stumble lately. So what's going on with him? Yeah, he's got a torn tendon in his foot. Um, we'll know after he sees the doctor again probably next week how, how bad it is. I don't think it's anything that's going to be career-altering or anything of that nature. But this is a guy who is entering a pretty critical year of his prospect development. This is the year that Brandon Nimmo um, is essentially supposed to make the big leagues. And the Mets do have a crowded, crowded outfield. But Brandon Nimmo's made a lot of strides since the Mets made a risky pick on him in the first round of the 2011 draft. Um, this is a big year for him. He was—he's going to start in AAA, and by season's end, there's a decent chance, if nothing else, that'll be a September call-up and get his first cup of coffee in the big leagues. So, the sooner he can get healthy, the sooner he can get back to 100%. Really, the sooner he can prove that he can stay healthy, because he's had little nicks and bumps come up over the past couple of years. Now, um, he missed about a month last year with a knee injury. So add this on top of it, uh, you do get a little bit concerned. Um, but the sooner he can come back, it's going to be a big season for him, like I said. And if he can hit at AAA Las Vegas, which is a hitter's paradise, and he can knock on the door of the big leagues, um, then it becomes an interesting situation going forward for the Mets. Uh, what do you do in center field? You've got Juan Lagares, you've got Alejandro De Aza, you've obviously now got you on a Cespedes, and um, where does Brandon Nimmo fit? Going forward, it would be a nice problem for the Mets to have if he can really fulfill that potential, stay healthy, and, and be a productive player for them. Not to be Debbie Downer, but uh, torn tendon <laughs> in a foot. Um, I mean, yeah, he needs to come back quickly, but uh, it might be kind of hard. That's not something that you can just, like, heal quickly and push through or come back early. I mean, that sounds pretty severe. No, it's not. But but the good thing for him is that, look, it's it's February 2nd right now. Groundhog Day, so it's not like this is July and you have to worry about him missing a couple months and never really getting back in the swing of things. He will take time to get this thing right. Um, he will rest as long as it, as he needs to, and maybe the start of his season is delayed, and maybe you know it goes and it lingers a little longer than he wants. But there's still plenty of time for him to come back, come back correctly, come back fully healthy, and ultimately when he comes back, be productive. Um, if that's opening day awesome for him. If that's May, if that's June, fine. Um, I think the key for him, and the luxury for the Mets, of course, is that they don't need him because they have all these other outfield bats all of a sudden. But uh, I think the key for him is just not to rush back, like you said, and make sure when he comes back he's fully healthy, fully ready to contribute, and fully ready to put himself in that position where he's knocking on the door and he's proving that he's ready to play and and contribute and, and be a factor for the Mets. So on the theme of Groundhog Day, um, you know, we've had a lot of discussions. Of course, you have been out of the country for a little bit. You haven't had quite as many discussions about the Mets as we have. But, um, you know, we've pretty much covered everything that might come down the Mets' pike during spring training, during the season. Um, And so now as we are on the cusp of actually uh, having direct contact with players who are going to be at spring training, we have a little downtime, and so we're going to have a little bit of fun. So I'm going to give you some categories. Uh, a player that is most likely to, and um, you're going to give me your best guess as the player who's like most likely to do that. So let's start off with the Mets player who is most likely to throw a no-hitter or a perfect game. 
ooh, this is interesting when it comes to your your team for sure. Sure is. Uh, I, you, you could name any number of people. Um, you could name pretty much the whole starting staff, other than maybe Bartolo Colon, which would be a sight to see. Um, most most likely to throw a no hitter or a perfect game, though. Jeez, I you know, I'm actually going to go with Noah Syndergaard because I think of everyone on the staff, he has the best pure stuff right now, and if he's got everything working, if he's the Noah Syndergaard that we saw in the NLDS last year, for example, throwing 101 at Dodger Stadium. Um, he just has the tools where he can be flat-out unhittable and the best hitters in the game just won't have a chance. Um, so while Matt Harvey's uh, flirted with it a few times in his young career, while Jacob deGrom has um, really obviously had some success and, and you know we're still looking to see what Steven Matz is going to become, I think Noah Syndergaard really has the best stuff of any of them and if you're talking about one night, who can be the most dynamic? I think you got to give the nod to him. Okay. How about the player most likely to hit for the cycle? Hit for the cycle. Uh, let's go with, let's say Curtis Granderson, um, because he's got the speed element. He's obviously got the pop. Um, you know, I, I, he, he basically has all the tools. And the Mets are a team that doesn't have a lot of speed. Um, you could put... Jonas Cespedes in that category, too. He's got enough where he's going to leg out a triple every now and then. Um, but Granderson, we've seen it on a consistent basis. So if you're talking home run, triple, double, single, I think uh, uh, Granderson's the guy that left-handed swing has shown he's going to hit 20 to 25 home runs at City Field. So um, let's say Curtis Granderson, most likely to hit for the cycle. Okay. Who is the most likely to hit a grand slam? Hmm. I want to say Cespedes, but you know what? I'm going to go with Lucas Duda because I think, and yeah, and I've got a little bit of an agenda on this one because I think he's a guy that Mets fans have forgotten about by and large. And he's going to be out there 150 times at first base, maybe more, as long as he stays healthy. Um, He's got a track record now. He hit 30 home runs two years ago, 27 last year. Um, So I think it's pretty safe to pencil him into that you know, 25 to 30, maybe if everything breaks right even a little bit more, he's smack in the middle of his prime. Um, so while Cespedes may very well lead the Mets in home runs this year, I don't think it's going to be by a heck of a lot. I think Lucas Duda is going to be right there. He's going to be hitting right in the middle of the order. Why not him? Okay, how about the player most likely to have the longest scoreless inning streak? Let's go Jacob deGrom on this one. Um He's probably been the most consistent Mets starter uh, over the past couple of years, and his stuff is electric. Maybe not as electric as Noah Syndergaard, as I mentioned, but you're splitting hairs at that point. Um, Matt Harvey's been prone to a couple lapses, and I think part of that last year was coming back from Tommy John surgery. But, you know, he had a couple periods where he just wasn't quite up to the same level as we've come to expect. Jacob DeGrom is just... Remarkable. He goes out there every five days, and, and he delivers quality performances. So if you're talking about weeks at a time stretch where a guy is just not going to get hit, I think Jacob DeGrom is probably that guy for the Mets and, uh, you know, really has a good chance to do something like that this season. Okay, this should be a good one. Who's the m- most likely to get ejected? Oh, Terry Collins. It's not close. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you know, and, he, and he's gone out of his way to talk about how he's become more mellow in his older age and, and 
so on and so forth. But in the heat of the moment, going out there, he loves it. He loves going out there and arguing with the umpires and having a, just a grand old time. I, he will be ejected this season probably multiple times. Uh, Mets don't really have a ton of hot-headed players on the roster, but Terry Collins, you can pencil him in for two or three per year. So is he anywhere? I mean, I know he's not managed as many games as Bobby Cox, so it would be really, really hard to even come near his record. But where does do we know? I mean, I'm putting you on the spot here. You don't have to know this off the, off the top of your head. But do we know where Terry Collins fits in in the career ejection among some of the greatest? I'd have to look that up. No, I, I would. Amongst the greatest of all time, I don't think he's close because he just doesn't have the years. Um, right. But as far as managers in the game today, he's got to be at or near the top of the list in terms of active managers. I mean, he and again, a little bit of it is his reputation preceding him because it's not like he's going out and getting tossed every week. Um, but he picks and chooses his spots, and he gets his say when he goes out there. He doesn't get shortchanged. Uh, so yeah, I would I would guess without looking it up that um, among active managers, he's he's right up there. And, I mean, really, when it comes to ejections, we really should have, like, the strikeouts per nine innings kind of ratio. I mean, it's really not <laughs> fair to say, well, you know, he's hundreds away from Bobby Hawks. What if he's got, um, you know, per season or per month or per, you know, 65 games? What if he's, like, right up? I mean, the ratios could be pretty close. I'm going to get our people on that, too. Um, yeah, let's out. get our analytics department on. Let's get StatCast on that. Let's figure it out. I think this, I think this is what the people need. It's what the people want. Well, it's what this person wants. Um, uh, okay, how about the first uh, bench player to snag a spot in the starting lineup? That's an interesting one. Uh, um, you know, I'm going to say Wilmer Flores, um, and the reason is because he's going to play a lot regardless. I mean, you've got Neil Walker at second base. You've got Estrubal Cabrera at shortstop. You've got David Wright at third base. And Wilmer Flores is capable of playing all those positions. He's capable of starting at all those positions. So if any one of those guys gets hurt, he's going to be the first man up. Um, they're even going to try Wilmer Flores out at first base this season. So you could throw Lucas Duda into that mix as well. Um, I think uh, the Mets have a lot of flexibility, obviously a lot of versatility, which we've talked about ad nauseum this winter. Um, but just the fact that they're working so hard on making Wilmer Flores kind of the focal point of all of that. Yeah, if, if any starting infielder gets hurt, there's a pretty decent chance Wilmer Flores is going to slide into that role. So he seems like the obvious candidate to me. Okay, and the final, the grand finale, um, and you have to think hard on this, who is the player most likely to have Justin Bieber walkout music? <laughs> well, it's a shame Justin Turner is not still around because he would be the obvious candidate i'd actually be surprised if he didn't have justin bieber music as his walk up um as for right now i'm gonna go with curtis granderson again he's the big winner he sort of controls the music in the clubhouse most of the time usually for his at bat he sticks to um rap but i could see him branching out and going a little mainstream pop and and picking up some justin bieber why not you know again you got to give the people what you want what they want and uh yeah, let's say Curtis Granderson, Justin Bieber fan, make it happen. See, now, here's the thing. When it comes to some of the other sort of poppy musicians and, like, the Miley Cyruses of the world or Britney Spears or whoever, I'm not sure, like, they actually have, I'm just going to sound like an old fuddy-duddy here, but their their music is actually kind of catchy. I mean, you could, you could see the logic in why they're popular. I've never really gotten that from Justin Bieber music. Am I wrong? I mean, it's just like... <laughs> 
is he more of a phenomenon, or is he is he more of like a train wreck that you can't tear your eyes from, or are his songs actually good? I think he's here to stay, Allison. I think people I think people <laughs> uh, enjoy his his music, um, but yeah, the Mets have had some history of that. I actually, um, well, Justin Turner, who I mentioned earlier, was uh, famous for his using Carly Rae Jepsen's "Call Me Maybe" for a large chunk of a season back when that song was. Right at the top Yeesh. of the charts, and yeah. um, one of one of my claims to fame, actually, as beat writer for the team, was I convinced Anthony Recker to, for one game only, use Miley Cyrus's "Wrecking Ball" as his walk-up music, and he wanted it for one game only, but they had screwed something up in their in their play system, their archives, and he wound up having it for about a month. So he wasn't that <laughs> pleased with me about it, but I thought it fit. Recker, "Wrecking Ball." There's things you can do with these songs. I think I think it's a it's a very interesting time. And that's that's a good song too. So it's not like you know it was like that's out, that far outside the box. Well, I guess you're judge and jury, you're arbiter of what's good and what's bad, Allison. But I think <laughs> if you had the uh, I think if you had the choice, every single player in baseball would go up to Billy Joel, no? Uh, pretty much, yeah. Even though I'm sometimes <laughs> really get the engine rev, but uh, yeah, I just never really found Justin Bieber's actual music to be just so wonderful. But hey, save your email, save your calls, whatever prefer is just fine with me. I'm um, all happy about everything. Okay. Uh, Anthony, thank you very much. This was enlightening, very educational, and I'm a better person because of it. So thank you. We'll talk to you next week. MLB.TV Premium, the number one live streaming sports service, is celebrating 13 years. Watch every out-of-market regular season game live or on demand in true HD. Real-time highlights, live look-ins, pitch tracking widget, and more. MLB.TV Premium includes a free At-Bat 15 subscription. Watch live baseball on over 400 mobile and connected devices. Watch at home, in the office, or on the go every night on every device. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Visit MLB.TV for details.